Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-aged child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome, parents. Today, we're going to be talking about, oh, my child is struggling with reading. Please help me. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I offer parent education videos every week, online courses, and coaching. And if that wasn't enough, I bring experts in on other fields onto The Impactful Parent stage to teach you even more. And today I have a special guest. Her name is Dr. Claire Rubman. And Dr. Rubman is a cognitive developmental psychologist. Her new book, which is called this may be difficult to read, addresses reading comprehension failures in children. And today, Dr. Rubman and I will be discussing how parents can alleviate all that frustration they might be having and help their kid read better so that your child will read competently in kindergarten, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and even beyond. I'm really excited to have her on today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'd like to know, what are the most common frustrations that you see with families and reading? So it it turns out that parents do a fabulous job, you know, from from birth right the way through, you know, till they send their children to kindergarten. They really are their child's first teacher. And so parents work these crazy frenetic lives. They have jobs, you know, 40 hours a week, they cook, they clean, and then they're also raising their children. And so they try their best to teach them. They teach them to speak. They toilet train them. They teach them letters and sounds and they teach them shapes. But unfortunately, there are parts of the reading process that they're just not necessarily aware of. And so they're not necessarily consciously teaching these skills. And what we're seeing at the college level for our adolescents is that because these skills are not in place by the time a child gets to kindergarten, they just don't seem to get into place at all. And so if I look around my college classroom, if I, for example, ask my students to read the textbook aloud and I go around the classroom, the level of competence in just reading aloud can be staggering. People become uncomfortable, they become insecure, and that's not a good environment to learn in. You have to feel comfortable and it has to be a risk-free environment whether you're a toddler or whether you're at the college level. And so I wrote this book, this may be difficult to read, to try and encourage parents at whatever stage their student is at to rethink the reading process to include reading comprehension skills. Because to address your question, by the time a child gets to the college level, students are failing not because they're not interested, not because they don't care about the subject matter, but because they have so much trouble extracting meaning from a textbook, from the printed word. And so if we go back to the beginning and we look at how the problem happened and how we can remediate it, we should have happier students and more successful adolescents. I will say that this topic is close to my heart. I have a son that had a lot of difficulty reading and I couldn't figure out what was going on for the longest time. And I'm an educator. So I I was trying to do my best, but it turns out he had dyslexia. It's okay. Uh, We've learned to navigate through that. But now that parents know what their child is experiencing, what can parents do differently moving forward? 
So depending on the age of the child, in the same way that we teach our children to listen, and we also teach them to hear what's being said, we need to teach them to read and also to comprehend what they're reading. And so we need to make that a natural part of every child's life so that by the time our children become adolescents and get to college, it's instinctive. Reading is an active process. You have to put a lot of effort into it. And somehow by the time our kindergartners are saying words out loud or our first graders are saying words out loud, it's possible for parents to back off and not share in the reading process because if they have independent readers, they can focus on something else. And so it's not like they're lazy parents, they're just refocusing their attention. But the problem is reading is ongoing, the comprehension is ongoing. And so the more time we spend reading stories with our children, the better off they will be in the long run. Because through that shared reading experience, we can look at their social and emotional development. We can address all kinds of needs that may not necessarily come up in our frenetic lives that we were discussing before, because we're all busy doing other things. So reading time is just an opportunity to really catch up with our children and see what stage they're at. We can pick a book that maybe has a topic that maybe is close to our hearts because it's impacting their lives. And it's an easier way for adolescents to broach a topic that they might not necessarily feel comfortable, you know, broaching on their own. So what will parents find inside your book? Is it going to be tips for how to teach a child to read specifically? Well, so the book, it does a number of things. In the beginning, there are myths. So facts are myths. And so I have a couple of them that I could share with you. So for yes, example, please. Um, is it a fact or a myth that shorter words are easier to read than longer words? So are smaller words easier to read than longer words? Is that a fact or is that a myth? Ooh, that's a great have to read to find out. <laughs> Here's another one. Is it cheating if you tell your child what a word is if he or she or they can't read it? I don't think so. <laughs> I think you'd be helping them. Here's another one. Um, is earlier better? Is it better if your child reads at an earlier age or does it make no difference? Ooh, that's and so, a great one. Just as a spoiler alert, these are all myths. And so all 10 of the, the facts are missing because are all myths and they're they're mistakes that we sometimes make when we as adults think about the reading process because we're used to reading and it's automatic for us. But for young children who are just learning to read, it can be quite a challenging experience because they don't have the same cognitive capacity that we as adults have. And so after the book talks about um, the myths or facts in reading comprehension, it takes the reader from a child's perspective to see what the reading process is like if you have a limited cognitive load. It also explains the stages of reading comprehension that we just don't seem to teach. So just to back up a little bit, we have 50 to 70 years of fantastic cognitive developmental research that tells us how children read, what they do wrong, what they do well, and what we can do to fix it. And so all of this research is just sitting in journals. And the book brings it to life. It brings it to parents and it says, listen, you can do all of this as long as you understand what it is. You can do it in your daily life. You don't have to add 16 extra hours of reading tuition. These are tips that you can use in order to make sure that reading is a part of your child's daily experience in the same way that listening is a part of your child's daily experience. And we do that by creating a need to read in the home. So just to back up a little bit, um, if you would indulge me, um, I could give you an example of um, one of the research studies that shows parents what's missing when children try to read. 
So the first thing that the research talks about is this idea that we as adults have so much background knowledge. We know about so many things. And when we pick up the newspaper or we pick up a book, we bring the information with us to the text. Unfortunately, young children have limited cognitive experiences and adolescents too in this day and age spend a lot of time on technology and don't necessarily have the background knowledge that's required to read. So um, two gentlemen by the name of Shank and Abelson in 1975. So this is old research that should be out there in the general realm of knowledge. But they put together a, um, a story that we adults would have difficulty understanding because we lack the background knowledge. So if if it's okay with you, I'll read the example and then we could talk about it. That's perfect. So Jim went to the restaurant and asked to be seated in the gallery. He was told that there would be a one half hour wait. 40 minutes later, the applause for his song indicated that he could proceed with the preparation. 20 guests had ordered his favorite, a cheese souffle. Jim enjoyed the customers in the main dining room. After two hours, he ordered the house speciality roast pheasant under glass. It was incredible to enjoy such exquisite cuisine and yet still have $15. He would surely come back soon. So just to go through this a little bit, some of it made sense, right? It was Jim, where we all know someone called Jim, went to a restaurant, we've been to restaurants, and asked to be seated in the gallery. So that's when the trouble starts, right? What gallery? We don't have galleries in restaurants. And so it's possible, you know, I have an accent. Maybe wherever I'm from, they say gallery instead of upstairs. Who knows? But we explain it away, right? And then he was told there'd be a half, a one half hour wait. Well, listen, we've all waited in restaurants. So again, that's not a surprise. But now the fun begins. 40 minutes later, the applause for his song indicated he could proceed with the preparation. What song? What preparation? This is either a badly written story or I wasn't paying attention or something happened. So Shank and Abelson at this point would say, look how hard you're working to bring everything you know about restaurant scenarios to this story. We don't have preparations. We don't have songs. Something's wrong, right? And so Shank and Abelson throughout the whole thing are pointing out that if they recreate what happens in a restaurant, so their restaurant's on another planet. And on this other planet, you have to entertain the, the people in the restaurant if they're suitably satisfied with your entertainment, then you can go and cook food. If they like the food, you can then eat your dinner. And so we wouldn't know that because we never ate in another planet. And so Shank and Abelson's point was, well, exactly. Since you don't know that information, it's hard to make sense of the story. And so we find our mind wandering while the, the story is being read because we can't connect the ideas. So we call that proposition integration. We can't integrate the ideas in the story because we don't know what we're integrating. And so the, there are several points here. One point is you need background knowledge and that's what parents can do. They can take John, look, they don't have to take them to other planets obviously, but they do need to, you know, go for a walk with your adolescent, go into the town and look at the stores, go to the park and look at the trees. There's so much that we can do that will build background knowledge. And those shared experiences, there's social and emotional advantages, but there are also cognitive advantages for reading. And so Shank and Abelson's other point was, you know, once you stop paying attention to the story, your mind starts to wander. And so by the time we get to after two hours, he ordered his house, the house speciality, we're not listening anymore. We're saying the words out loud, but we're not listening. And that's one of the major differences between reading for meaning and just reading. We want to get rid of the just reading so that we always read for meaning. 
So that's one example of fabulous research that's sitting right there in the, in the research journals that we need to share. The other one, even if you have the background knowledge, because many parents do fabulous things with their adolescents. They take them all over the place. They engage in fabulous activities. They talk at the dinner time table. And yet somehow when it comes to reading, nothing connects. And we as adults sometimes have this experience. Maybe think back to the last course you took. You take an exam and you, you get an answer wrong and you think, but I knew that. How did I get it wrong? Because you didn't connect the knowledge you had with the question that was being asked. And the same thing happens in reading comprehension. So um, two researchers by the name of Bransford and Johnson. Bransford, by the way, is one of my favorite researchers of all time. If you have spare time, go read this book. He's fabulous. Anyway, Bransford and Johnson um, wrote a passage that it explains to you what happens if even if you have the knowledge, if you fail to bring it to the story, you're lost. So if it's okay with you, I'll read another example from the book. The procedure is actually quite simple. First, you arrange items into different groups. Of course, one pile may be sufficient, depending on how much there is to do. If you have to go somewhere else due to lack of facilities, that is the next step. Otherwise, you're pretty well set. It's important not to overdo things. That is, it's better to do a few things at once than too many. In the short run, this may not seem important, but complications can easily arise. A mistake can be expensive as well. At first, the whole procedure will seem complicated. Soon, however, it will become just another facet of life. It's difficult to foresee any end to the necessity for this task in the immediate future. But then, one can never tell. So now, if I asked you to write down that entire passage, how would you do? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm going to read it again a second time, but with one, one difference. I'm going to read the title. And what the title does is to access all that background knowledge that you had before, but you didn't know to bring it to this story. The washing clothes passage. The procedure is actually quite simple. First, you arrange items into different groups. Of course, one pile may be sufficient, depending on how much there is to do. If you have to go somewhere else due to lack of facilities, that's the next step. Otherwise, you're pretty well set. It's important not to overdo things. That is, it's better to do a few things at once and too many. In the short run, this may not seem important, but complications can easily arise. A mistake can be expensive as well. At first, the whole procedure will seem complicated. Soon, however, it will become just another facet of life. It is difficult to see any, any end to the necessity for this task in the immediate future. But then one can never tell. So just giving you the title, let you access all your schematic knowledge or, or your understanding of doing the laundry and we've all done the laundry. And so we can bring all that information with us. And so the book brings adults to the same stage that children go through so that they can remember or re-remember what it's like not to understand what they're reading because we do it so effortlessly. We call it um, automaticity. We have an automatic reading process that it, it's effortless for us, but for children, they struggle. And so the point, um, Bransford and Johnson's point was, you have to open up all that background knowledge and then start the story. So what could parents do? No matter what you're doing, no matter what stage of life your, your adolescent is at or your child is at, get a book that relates to whatever is going on in their life. So if it's chores they want to do, read Tom Sawyer. It's a classic story. It's so much fun. It's it's a good laugh. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're 
if your adolescent did something they weren't supposed to do, like maybe they dyed their hair the wrong color, read Anne of Green Gables. Just It doesn't have to be a classic. Pick any story that relates to what's going on in life, and they can bring all that emotion, all that understanding to the story. And again, it creates that social and emotional bond where you can you know, set up a dialogue with your adolescent and open up those lines of communication. It allows us to see from the child's perspective and that is so rare nowadays. So very refreshing. Um, is the, does the book address any uh, reading differences or any difficulties? And if also, um, what if you have a child that has a reading deficit of some sort, some reading challenges? Um, is this book still for them? So the book looks at what reading is all about, and it looks at the different stages of reading. It also sets up a four-stage reading plan so that if you want to go back and reinvent reading with your student, you can start back at the beginning. There are many um, reading disorders. They're not covered in the book because this covers the normal course of reading comprehension. It's wonderful for, for children because parents can re-engage in the reading process. And no matter what's going on inside a child's brain, no matter what's going on from a neurological perspective, it allows children to discuss books, it allows them to discuss their problems and concerns, and it sets up the possibilities for success. So it's got safety nets in place so that you can see what's going on from, you know, from a child's perspective, and you can see which ways you can help your child. Because no matter what's going on cognitively, we want every child to reach his or her true potential. So that's what the book offers parents. It offers them the ability to sit down with their child, read a book and figure out what can we get from the reading process, not just taking this, the meaning from the printed word, but what can we make this experience into with our children? How can we enjoy parenting more? Look, the underlying theme of the book is that not everybody's going to Harvard. And our goal should not be to get our children into Harvard. I'm a foreigner, so I have to tread lightly here. But our goal ought to be to love the child we have, not the child we wish we had. And so, especially in terms of reading, when we fail at reading as a student, our self-esteem suffers, our social interactions can suffer, our communication skills suffer. And so reading is really the linchpin of all future learning. And so at whatever level we can read, even if we read to our children instead of our children reading to us, it still gives us those moments and it gives us that ability to comprehend with our children. So it opens up a much bigger dialogue with our children and a much bigger conversation about education and about parenting. So it's not the case that every child should get an A and every child should go to Harvard. We don't have enough room at Harvard <laughs> for every child to go there. So we need to reinvent what it is we're doing educationally. We want our children to succeed within the realm of what they're capable of doing. And we need to enjoy their successes, but we also need to enjoy their failures. We need to learn from their failures and make them great learning experiences because all too often we, you know, we shove them under the carpet and we just focus on what's done well, or we compete with the neighbors so that you know, we have something to brag about. That's not what raising children should be about. It should be about empowering our children to be proud of their accomplishments, no matter what their accomplishments are. And we ought to empower them to think for themselves and to understand what it is to be inquisitive and to learn about the world around them instead of just pigeonholing them into what we might think we want them to do. So that's what the book offers parents. It offers them 
just a little opportunity to tweak their understanding of what their who their child is and where they're headed, what direction they're headed in. I do have, if it's okay with you, um, the last, if we're not going to read any other chapter in the book, read the last chapter because it's the most fun. <laughs> the other the other chapters lead up to it. But there's a final note at the end of the book. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to read it. So um, it's called, This May Be Less Difficult to Read, although it's harder for me to read. <laughs> okay. Certainly no one ever said that parenting was easy. No one ever said that teaching was easy either. When parents try to teach, it can become doubly frustrating. I hope that this book has shed some light on some of the difficulties that children experience as they navigate a path that has become second nature for us. Remember that they are not like us. Their brains are wired differently. They think differently. They process information differently. If you want to succeed, learn to think as they think. Learn to process information as they process information. As I say goodbye to my last child and wave him off to begin his university experience, I urge you to remember that it's a journey that takes 18 long years. If you fixate on the outcome, the payoff, the final product, then it will be a bittersweet moment when you say your goodbyes. Try instead to enjoy the journey, the mistakes, the learning curves, and those precious moments. Let your children lead and learn to follow. Good luck and enjoy each moment of your journey. If my parents are resonating with this and they want to get a hold of this book, where can they find it? Well, it's available on, on Amazon. It looks like this. <laughs> it's available on Amazon. Um, it's also available from my website. It's um, difficulttoread.com with the number two instead of the word two. I hope today's episode brought value to your day. And if you would like to become a more impactful parent, download the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free to download and full of episodes just like this one that are going to help you in your parenting journey. So carry help and tips and parenting resources right in your pocket so that you can refer to them when you need it most. Plus, when you download the Impactful Parent app, you are also joining a community of like-minded parents that just want to be the best parent they can for their child. The app is free to download. So go to your app store and put in the search impactful parent and I should pop up. Or you can go to theimpactfulparent.com and download the app from there. You got nothing to lose. So go check out the freebie and get more parenting resources to help you become a more impactful parent. But until next time, you got this. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that could help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.